What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Up Before You podcast with me, Connor Warman. This episode of the Up Before You podcast is brought to you by Ticket Weirdo. With concert and game season just around the corner, the timing is perfect for those of you listening who want to plan your summer events. We've teamed up with Ticket Weirdo to make buying tickets this season super affordable. What's great about Ticket Weirdo is they are the only ticket site that doesn't charge you hidden service fees and also donates a portion of your purchase to charity. Check them out by simply going to TicketWeirdo.com and typing in code UBY at checkout to save an extra 10% off unlimited ticket purchases throughout the year. Once again, that's UBY at checkout to save an extra 10% off your ticket purchases and to keep it weird this summer. Now guys, if you have a moment, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show and leave a 5-star rating and a review. It only takes a second and is a great way to support the show, and the feedback means a lot to me. If you like this episode of the podcast, please share with family and friends and share via social media and make sure to tag Up Before You. And lastly, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook and visit upbeforeyou.com to keep up to date with all the latest episodes, news, and updates surrounding the show. Okay, my guest today is Eric Carmati. Eric is a two-time CrossFit Games athlete who spent four years coaching in South Korea and now lives in San Diego where he trains at CrossFit Invictus. On this episode of the podcast, we talk about P90X, his career playing football at Jacksonville University in Florida, his colored mohawk, coaching CrossFit in Korea, competing at the CrossFit Games, training at Invictus, heading into the unknown season of the 2019 CrossFit Games, and much, much more. I truly hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And now, with all that being said, let's get on with the show. All right, Eric, can we start out and can you tell me a little bit about this whole like global pandemic's obviously affected people in different ways. How has it affected your training and your daily life? Okay, so as far as the whole pandemic, um, well, I guess for me, I, it gave me an off season finally after 2019. Um, with the turnover of the Open from last year, I basically had like four weeks off and had to do the open or whatever. So I never really got time to rest as this year I was trying to go with the team. So we we're doing all these sanctionals to qualify. And the whole year I was like, I just can't wait to rest. So basically when they started shutting the stuff down in California and it looks like it's going to be for a while, I took a bunch of time off and I've readjusted my training. I still have access to like stuff if I need to train, but uh, I've just focused on lowering the weights down, lowering the intensity and kind of like focus on weightlifting focus on aerobic and uh not so much crossfit right now yeah you're in california that seems to be one of like the worst i feel like in terms of shutdown and stuff yeah unfortunately uh it, and i think i think it'll depend on how other states do reopening up we'll yeah. determine when they'll reopen up yeah so you've just been kind of like go 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 since the 2019 season you never really took a break yeah um you know my goal in 19 was to get back to the games uh even with the new format i was just gonna go for it and then qualifying like in march or april and then having the games in august was like such a weird split like that five months of like what do i do and it was just kind of go 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 the whole time and we don't you know we just never got any time to like deal it or anything and then the turnaround for the open was pretty quick and, and then it was always like every competition i went to to qualify was like man i hope i qualify so i can just take like two months off yeah that was like my mindset in every competition like i just can't wait to stop so yeah, like when they, when they announced everything in California, like March 16th, and immediately I was like, all right, I'm taking two weeks off. I'm not going to work out. And then I'm going to adjust how I feel and just go from there. All right, Eric, we're going to pivot here. Can you take me back and tell me a little bit about yourself growing up, kind of some sports you played, uh, where you grew up, stuff like that? 
so let's see. I grew up in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. I was there until I was until college. I, and I moved back home a little bit after college. In college, I played football. I was defensive line. In high school, I played football, and I just played whatever. Yeah. Um, and I played sports my whole life. I, I was really into hockey, basketball, baseball, like everything as a kid. Um, yeah, in college, I was never like I'm, I'm only five foot eleven, and I, at the most I weighed like two seventy five, two eighty. So I was never like a huge naturally gifted athlete, like size wise. So I was never like great, but I was always really good at like working out, and I really like training, uh, getting stronger. I was always one of the stronger guys in the weight room. So uh, basically, after college in 2010. I lost like 80 pounds and then I found CrossFit shortly after that and kind of over two years transitioned into competing because I didn't really want to compete in CrossFit right away because I like just finished with school and I wasn't like I didn't want to commit to something and knowing like what a full-time commitment would be. Where did you go to school? Where did you play? Uh, Jacksonville University in Florida. So yeah, they're a division one AA or FCS, but they actually, the program just got they're done now. The program just got like taken away for some reason last oh, really? year. Yeah. And we were a newer program. I think we started out in 1998 and I got there in 2007. So we were a short lived program. We did win two national or two, uh, not national conference championships while I was there, but who, who did you play against? Like what other teams were in the conference? Okay. Well, the, so no, we, we had like a lot of teams that you would hear of who are really good basketball schools, Okay, but we didn't, but we played App State every year in okay. Appalachian State, right. and they've like been national champs. A lot of people know who they are. They beat Michigan in two thousand something. Yep. That's the highlight. So people, yeah, right. Everyone knows who they are. <laughs> yeah. They, you know, they crush us. Uh, yeah. So uh, Kerwin Bell was the head of the football program there, and if you're from Florida, you would know he played for the Gators under Steve Spurrier, and he was like the first great Gator quarterback under Spurrier, and then he took over at our school, and he uh, he whipped us into shape pretty well. I mean. I think within two years of being there, we were in the conference final and uh, won the conference two years. And, uh, but whatever happened is, you know, I think there was a big fight between the city and the school to build a stadium that was bigger on campus. Okay. And it just never went through. And that was kind of like where the end of the program started. Would you guys ever go travel and play big teams like the Gators or stuff like that, teams like that? <laughs> no, no. Uh, no, definitely not. Um, so I did, I, I walked on at Florida Atlantic university okay. when I was a freshman and they're, they're, they're an all right D one program, but the size difference was ridiculously noticeable when I went to a smaller program, like in Jacksonville and it was still like, you know, a D one double a or FCS or whatever. Yeah. So it wasn't a huge difference in name, but man, the size difference was pretty noticeable. Yeah. FAU. That's what you said. Yes. That was obviously before the Lane Kiffin years, right? Yeah, that was back when. Uh, oh man, I, the name is they, the very, that that coach who coached in Miami in the '80s. He was the guy who took over there. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he was more of a figurehead when I was there. He didn't do much of the, the hard work. He was older, but he was the guy who coached all the teams in the early '80s in Miami. So then, as a as a as a D lineman, kind of through high school and college, you were obviously like heavier. So what made you wanna like lose the weight in the first place? I, I guess uh, in, in high school, I think I weighed about 240. My freshman year, they moved me to the line, so I gained weight. And I think, I, I, like a lineman, we'd always joke around, like, oh, when I'm done with this, I'm going to drop a bunch of weight and have a six pack. Like, yeah. all linemen say this. It's like a joke. <laughs> and uh, then it was like, I was done with football, and I was like, I want to try something new or different. And I always like to run long distance, like, I'd always run. 
And so I was running more. And I was just eating like a normal person. And I lost about 20 pounds from just that. And then I started actually P90X of all things. Nice, nice. That, that like zapped 50 pounds off of me in like two months. I, mean, I had a lot of extra weight that was just dying to uh, remove itself. Know a lot of good Tony Horton quotes then, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I've probably done it three times through like when I started it. And in this situation, uh-huh. I have done some of the videos actually uh, just because they're easy to do at home. And Oh, yeah. Now you're talking about? So we actually, me and a couple guys, we do Adverb or X <laughs> at every training session right now. That's, that's hard. It, you know what? It is because like I remember thinking like I used to do it every day back when I was doing the normal gym. Cause I thought it was, I'd always do it for a warm up after I was done P90X and I kind of went back to lifting weights. And I remember thinking like, it's hard. And it was still pretty hard. Like the first week I've adapted a little bit, but I couldn't complete it like without stopping, even though, you know, now that even though I've done it like for 10 years, essentially, and took a little break, it was still pretty tough. Yeah. I remember like, I used to do it years ago too. And I remember that was like, always the goal is like, be able to finish Ab Ripper X. Cause it was so hard. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no uh, and the guys I, I do it with, they always have we always have they always have really good excuses like oh look at that guy's legs they're so skinny that's why I keep going my legs are big because I squat I'm like no no listen like no excuses we all have to complete this <laughs> okay so then how did you find CrossFit who introduced you to that okay so actually I actually do have an interesting story um, so in 2010 I wasn't really sure what I was doing like I had a job right out of school I'm a, as a software engineer computer programmer what is that and- oh, what, what, like what do you do when you do that. Uh, well, I mean, to me, I felt like I was just sitting at a desk wasting my life 40 <laughs> hours a week. And I, I, I had a really good internship. I didn't like that. I, and then I got a job in my hometown, actually, with a pretty good company to work for. They were super flexible, but I just didn't like it. I didn't get a lot out of it. So I quit. And then the same day, I bought a plane ticket to Costa Rica. So okay. we just, I went backpacking. I was going to go surfing and skimboarding. Awesome. And I just went. And like the third day, I brought all my bands so I could still do P90X. Um, I was doing a workout, just doing pull-ups on the beach. And these two dudes come up to me and they're like, oh, uh, you should do this workout with us. It's called CrossFit. And what we did was not CrossFit. It was kind of like a bodybuilding circuit, but they called me as CrossFit. And I should check it out when I get back home. <laughs> and so I actually, I was so pumped up by that. I'd only been there. I, I had like a one-way ticket. I was going to go for like months was my idea. Okay. And like I had like an end destination in Panama where I would crash and fly back. But I was kind of getting anxious and I, I was looking up CrossFit. And I left probably three days later. I'd only been there like you know a total of two weeks. I planned to be there for three months and I went to a CrossFit gym. So obviously at that time in my life, I was just looking for something to do, you know, to replace the emptiness that school and football had left. And so I went to CrossFit uh, BGI in West Palm Beach, Florida, West Palm Beach CrossFit. And uh, there I met the trainers and stuff. And I was like in it before I even stepped in the gym. I knew I was going to like it. I could just tell. Okay. So before we get too far ahead in the story, you used to have this mohawk. Can you kind of tell me the whole story behind that? Yeah. And that's, that's kind of related, I guess. So I had the mohawk starting in like 2011. Okay. Um, and that was because I had quit my job. My, I, I, I still had a desk job. I was kind of bounced around. And I, when I quit and gave my two weeks notice because I was going to start being a full-time trainer, that's when I cut my hair and dyed it, hoping I'd get, like, not have to do a two weeks notice, and they just let me leave. But they didn't. And it kind of it kind of worked out because I was going to Mardi Gras, and I lived in Alabama at the time, so I dyed it, like, purple. I have to do, like, the in Mardi Gras, those colors. Yeah. So, so work was, like, whatever is cool. Just take your two weeks and go after. So that's how it started when I quit my day job, basically. 
and that you just did it just to try to get out of work sooner yeah like kind of as a joke that like oh they're probably gonna fire me and not just make me leave today but yeah. also because i kind of like i like doing that with my hair and stuff i'd always like doing that i did it a couple times in high school as well that's cool yeah and then then i ended up having it for like seven years or something you just you just liked it and just left it yeah i like dyeing my hair and stuff like that okay so then when did you kind of like you got into crossfit and then when did you kind of decide you wanted to get competitive and wanted to start competing so like when i started crossfit i had like a great strength base from football and i I had a good conditioning base i don't know not necessarily from football but like i said i enjoyed running i've always enjoyed doing long distance runs since i was like 10 years old um and it like immediately going to the gym, they're like, oh, you should compete. You should compete. And uh, I just didn't want to. I wasn't like mentally ready for it. I did a couple like little competitions for fun. And 2010 was like, you didn't really know what to do to compete. You just like did CrossFit workouts. You didn't know you like need a weightlifting coach, a gymnastics program, like all that stuff. Yeah. So I didn't really like it. Uh, I, I did the open in 2011 and I wasn't, I just wasn't feeling it. Um, I, I did qualify like to go to regionals, but I didn't go. Um, and then sometime around 2012 i was still doing crossfit and i moved to alabama to kind of get away from home and i had some friends who lived up there and i was once again with a gym and they wanted to send a team to regionals and they're like you should compete you should compete and i said no but i'll do the open and give you my scores and then they went to the regional and i i uh, i qualified but i didn't i didn't want to go and they had like an awesome time so then after like three months of kind of thinking it out and still like hating my jobs i decided i wanted to actually Actually, like put forth the time and effort to compete and i originally i thought it'd be cool to compete as a team you know maybe as individual something like that so then you went to your first regional in 2013 right yes and that was as, a, as an individual and what was that whole experience like for you kind of first time on a bigger stage competition in crossfit okay so um you know i i think i got 23rd in the open that year like you know top whatever in my region totally crush it and i didn't have like high expectations but everyone around me kind of did like oh you're gonna win you're gonna go there and win you're gonna go to the games mm -hmm. <laughs> like all that kind of stuff <laughs> um and i kind like in hindsight for sure i kind of saw the writing on the wall so uh elijah muhammad at the time lived in alabama and he invited me to come over and train and that was like back in the day when like you know he knew how to train from rich yeah and like damn and the way he trained, like he kicked my ass for like two hours straight. Like he just beat me at everything. Like in uh, then I was kind of like, man, I really don't know what I'm doing. And regionals is in like seven weeks. I need to come here every weekend yeah. and figure out what's going on. And just training with him and seeing the kind of way he trained with the different types of AMRAPs and a lot more like heavy weights and high skilled movements combined. And uh, when regionals came out, the workouts that year they were very like they were very even workouts. They weren't biased really. And uh that hurt me because I was definitely like a strength guy and an engine guy, but my muscle-ups, my handstand push-ups, my rope climbs, they weren't really there yet. I didn't have a lot of the skills involved in CrossFit at that time. I'd only been training since like October, 2012, thinking I want to go to the games or to regional. So I learned a lot that regional, you know, it was kind of like frustrating. I only got like, I got 13th, which in hindsight is not bad, but I wanted to be better than that. Who was at that regional that year? And, uh, and like, uh, you know, it was a stacked regional. No Olson was there. Okay. Uh, Z.A. Anderson, Daniel Petro, Travis Mayer. Yeah, that's pretty Eric Carmody. No, no. Um, yeah, um, that's pretty legit. Um, and then there's other guys too, like uh, Jeff Evans, who went to the games the next year. So, like, you know, obviously, like, every year more guys go to the games. But if you look back, there was, like, you know, 12 guys who have games experience from that regional out of the southeast. 
Um, so it, it gets pretty stacked. And that was before they merged it with the Mid-Atlantic. So it was pretty stacked. And um, it's cool to see a lot of the guys there, like Travis Mayer, like Noel Olson, like myself, uh, we're still competing. We're still, you know, doing it. You know, they've, they've gotten a lot better, but it's been cool to watch. Yeah, what was Noel Olson like 20 at that time, that regional? Yeah. Um, yeah, and that was like his second regional too. And uh, when people knew him, I don't know if you're like, I, I'm being from Florida, you know, I kind of, you heard about him, but people had a lot of like uh, faith in him that he was going to be good, that he was going to be great. Even back then, yeah. you know, like he got fifth and uh, his, he, he was just, his strength was not there at the time. And it was interesting to see, like he had so much hype behind him. And uh, at the time he didn't understand why, but he definitely lived up to it. Yeah, because wasn't it like 2014, Rich's last year or whatever, when he kind of gave him a run for his money in the first couple of days? I, yeah, I think he was in first up until like the fifth event. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so then uh, I don't know what year it was. Maybe the next year you go to Korea, right, for some reason? Yes, for work. For um, work, okay. Yeah, so 2013, I was like gung-ho, ready to train, get better, go to the games out yeah. of the southeast. And then uh, just through like the friend of a friend, I basically heard about this job opportunity to coach CrossFit for uh, a gym in Korea, Reebok CrossFit Sentinel. And so I, I was, I, I wanted to travel. I want, I was also talking to a gym in Barranquilla, Colombia. So I reached out to them and immediately the guy's like, Hey, we're going to get, we're going to get back to you. And uh, you know, really soon. And then I heard nothing for like six weeks and I shoot an email and I say, Hey, I just want to catch up, see if you're still looking to hire. And then I get a call, like a Skype call from the manager of the gym, not the owner who had originally contacted me. He's like, they're like, basically, hey, we like your resume. Once as soon as you can be. And this was like at 11 at night because the time changed. And I was like, dude, give me 10 days and I'll be there. And sure (laughs) enough, so they bought the tickets. I was originally supposed to be there for like three months. And uh, I did a good enough job that they said I could stay indefinitely. That's what I did. I was there for almost four years. And it was awesome. And I didn't go there with the idea of like, hey, I'm going to go to Asia and win. Yeah. Although I joke about it a lot with my friends, like, hey, I'm going to leave the hard region and go to the easy one. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I was working in Korea. Like, dude, like the gyms are busy. They open at 6 a.m. is our first class, and our last class was at 10 p.m. at night. Oh, wow. So, uh, it's just their later night culture there. So we were busy. We, had, we were in a great spot next to, like, the military base. So we got a bunch of expats mixed with the Koreans as well. And uh, it was a foreign-owned box. Everyone spoke English, and it was a really unique situation, like, nowhere else where in a foreign country where English is not the language – but people came to hear English kind of as they worked out as an experience of it. So I worked, I mean, I was, I was coaching like 30 classes a week. It was busy, but after the open, they kind of gave me a little leeway and we're like, Hey, if you want to focus on winning, you can take more, a little less classes. And that's how, uh, that's how that kind of wound up. And I ended up winning the regional and it was pretty awesome. That gym was great. I mean, it was awesome. Now that was still pretty early ish days of CrossFit. So what was CrossFit like in Korea? Was it big in Korea yet or not really? Uh, so when I got there, I was there to help promote CrossFit through like a Reebok flagship gym, like Reebok CrossFit Sentinel. And not like I did anything. It just happened to explode when I was there because they had like 40 boxes in Korea. And by the, that was like October of 2013, April, like 2014, there was over 200. It exploded and there was all these gyms. And, you know, just like in the States, there'd be a gym that's really good where it's like the coach walks you through everything, great technique. And there'd be other gyms for like, hey, you double unders for 10 minutes and then we're going to start the workout. Yeah. Um, so that being said, fitness culture is very different in Korea as well. 
the gym facilities, they have to have showers. They have to, you have to give your clients towels and lockers and stuff. You can't, you know, that it, they have more amenities. It's just what is expected in Korea. And the showers are nice. I'm, I'm talking like you have to have like 20 stalls, like oh, wow. 10 for women, 10 for men. You can't just have two showers like in the gym in the States. Um, so, and because of that, gyms charge a little bit more. I think at the most, we charge 330 a month. So they're a little more expensive. And so they can make a little bit more money even. So like, and everyone we had on staff was pretty much full-time as well. And like over in Korea, what did you notice? Like how was the culture different and how was like, how did the people they receive CrossFit compared to the here, I guess? Okay. So, um, I don't speak Korean. I, I don't understand Korean. <laughs> Not at so, all. Korea, Nothing. Oh, and it's a difficult language as it is. And it's also a big part of their culture. So I, I would have like Korean friends who spoke English, you know, I talked to. So some stuff is probably lost on me, but I would say the people who do CrossFit are, you know, they, I, I have a friend who would always say, this guy, Rich, he would say, Korea has like a CrossFit type temp temperament. Like they like intensity and they like stuff like, you know, in your face a little bit compared to like, say Japan or something. So it fits like the lifestyle of, of uh, Korea where things are like busy and you're active. It's like one hour, you're in, you're out. I think that fits really well. The okay. type of person who would do CrossFit is probably going to be a little more advantageous or adventurous to new things, I would think, in Korea um, because it is a little more like physical, whereas I think a lot of people just go to the gym and walk on the treadmills. They don't even run. They just walk. Okay. Um, so that's definitely – it's you're, you're probably a little bit of an – adventurous person if you're trying CrossFit in Korea, at least back then. Now, you know, it's popular. It's a little more mainstream. And what is like, what is nutrition like over there? How do the people over there eat? Is it better than okay. here? I mean, it can't get any worse than over here, I guess. Well, so <laughs> it, it is different. Okay. And like I said, I don't know the culture super well, not speaking Korean, but people have told me this is that kids are getting fatter um, because more Western foods are popping up. Um, restaurants are pretty still, they still put a lot of sugar and stuff in like food and fats. But I think the big thing is at home, people have this idea that like Koreans eat lots of vegetables, but I've heard that's not exactly true. Usually the mom will stay at home and cook. But if you don't have that option, like if you're like a guy and you basically eat out of 7-Eleven convenience store foods, which are higher quality than the States, but it's, you know, it's not like the best. But yeah, if you don't live with your parents and you're a guy, you probably don't cook. So, so maybe a little healthier, but uh -huh. hard to say. And then what was it like for you? You said you uh, won that region out there. What was it like coming to the games out of the Asia region, being like this white guy from the States? <laughs> oh, yeah. Every every Asian dude wants to be like, well, he's not Asian. Um, that's like the number one thing I got. <laughs> and so then my friends in Korea would always like push it. Like, no, he's the fittest Asian. Like, to like these random Korean people. But uh, like they always want to push like like they'd be like, oh, he's the fittest in Korea. He's the fittest Korean. I'm like, dude, just relax to this old guy at the park. <laughs> so, so, yeah, you know, that's always the thing. Like, why is he white? Why are all the guys white? Well, I don't know. Like white people like CrossFit. Like, who knows? Like and now and at the time, too, it was like I had this experience of training in the States with games athletes, with good athletes. So I knew like what it took and what these guys were doing. They didn't know. Like Koreans didn't know. Like they would do like workouts that. You know, I'd just be like, that's not a training workout. That's a stupid workout. And that'd be there every day. And so when people would train with me, they'd be surprised that, you know, I did a lot of stuff on the minute, a lot of intervals. I wasn't just doing like a long 30-minute workout every day like they would. Okay, so then you go to the games for the first time in 2014. That was that year you qualified. 
what was it like kind of getting to the games, going out to California and just being on that floor with all these elite athletes, top of the sport? All right. So in my mind, I w- my long-term goal was to qualify around two- 2015. I thought, like, I needed a year to develop. And I developed well in 2014. Like, I got really good at my skills. I got really good at gymnastics. And I felt like a CrossFitter versus the year before, I felt like I was really strong and really good shape. So I was a little early in what I thought I would be at the games. And, um, you know, I was, I'll be honest, I was excited to get home. I only thought I'd be in Korea for a few months. And I ended up being there till like, you know, July. So I got, I get home and, and I'm training and stuff like that. And it was kind of all over the place, my training at the time. Cause I was like in the middle of like moving my whole life from Korea to the States and kind of figuring out what I was going to do next. So like I was in Boston for a month training with a bunch of guys and I came back to Alabama cause I left like my car there and stuff. And in my apartment, when I got back, it looked like I just woke up that morning and left. Like my bed still had like the sheet thrown off the side. I still had lists on my fridge of stuff that wasn't crossed off like by chicken. So, <laughs> so I left in a hurry. And when I got back, like I would have, I, I focused well, but I had a lot of distractions going on. And at the time, you know, it was just my life and I couldn't help that. Yeah. So, and then I get to California and, and the expectations are like, how good are the, how good is everyone, you know? And you're not sure. And I, I think like, there's no way in hell I can get like the bottom half of the competition. You know, I did, but you know, being the first time, it was a good learning experience. It was a lot of fun and it goes by super fast. How did you get to Invictus? How did that whole thing, how did that connection happen? I actually talked to CJ Martin in 2014 at the before games. the games okay. and, and then at the games. I'm um, just asking him some questions. I was kind of reached out, like, how, how should I prepare for the games? Um, and then, so I kind of had that in the back of my head. And then I go back to Korea in, in uh, 2014 and I kind of started doing like the blog and I was posting on the blog and then I ended up doing some individualized program uh, by Tino Marini and cj and at the time i was kind of going through this knee issue i had a knee surgery and i, I just kind of said all right i'm gonna stop and just kind of get healthy so that was kind of like what's happening when i was over those couple years like i was hurt 2015 i was fresh off the surgery in 2015 2017 I ended up tearing my pec my last year that would have been like the pacific region and so then at the pacific region i went and i was thinking i maybe could do it and i talked to the guy who does the announcing the australian guy i can't remember his name but and he asked me like, oh, well, so what's the plans after this year you're hurt? You know, you've been hurt a while. And I said, well, I'm probably going to move to San Diego with my girlfriend to do her PhD. And she's from Korea. And so they announced that like on the, like the live broadcast of the regional. And I didn't know he was going to do that. But I guess like, I was like in the lane that, you know, we're in the middle. And so of course they had to explain why there's empty lane, I guess. But we hadn't like officially decided on San Diego at that point. Like I was still thinking about a job opportunity in Indonesia. And I was trying to convince my girlfriend, like, hey, let's just go take like a year in Bali. I'll work. We just hang out. And she wasn't even accepted to the school here yet. But I kind of threw out San Diego. And then I have Tino actually reaches out and contacts me. And he's like, hey, if you're going to be in San Diego, come train with the guys and train with everyone. And uh, when I heard that, I was like, man, that sounds pretty cool. Like, when will I get the opportunity to train at like one of the best gyms and live there and kind of get in? Like, I kind of thought, like, maybe the next little part of my training will be to be with athletes who are better than me instead of just being the best athlete, you know, most of the time. So then, then I was like, well, I don't want to work in Bali. I want to go to San Diego, I guess. And my girlfriend ended up choosing the school here. So did you, when you got to Invictus, did you kind of notice a difference? You went from 
being the best guy at the gym all the time to not the best guy at the gym? Did you notice that you got a lot better from doing that? Uh, so I'll say this. Uh, I noticed a lot of stuff. And the first thing I noticed that people took a lot of time off in the off season to rest. Yeah. I'd have never done that. Huh. After the CLC 14 games, I took a day off. And the next day I was in the gym snatching heavy. Oh. Um, so man, that's why I'm hurt all the time. Uh, <laughs> but th- yeah, so that was like the first thing I noticed. I was like, where the hell is everybody? The games ended two weeks ago and they're still not like back to training. And then as it comes in, you know, I, that was like the first thing. And then it would be like, you know, I, at the time, I think Garrett Fisher was there. Emily Abbott was coming in. And on, on top of Invictus, what people don't know is like awesome athletes show up for like a month all the time and they just work out. So then I'm like working out with all these people who are stronger than me, fitter than me. And it's kind of like, I kind of understood like for me to win a workout for that day, it just, I just, I just had to push. And I had to hurt way more, you know, than I normally would. And adjusting to that training was difficult in the beginning where like I did not want to go back on a morning session, like on a Friday after a hard Wednesday. Um, but you know, I just kept pushing through and pushing through and eventually it started adding up and I started getting better because of it. And, you know, and now it's like what the times I used to put when I first got there compared to the times now is a huge difference, you know, because of that extra effort. And then 2018, you went back to the games on a team. So yeah, I was actually the alternate, Okay. on the Invictus team, on the Invictus X team. So I, cause I, so when I got to Invictus, uh, they wanted me to be on a team. Well, they asked me, not like wanted me. And I said, no, I'm never going to do team. This is not my thing. I want to compete as an individual. <laughs> so I, I said that and they're like, all right, fine. We get it. We get it. But I, and then, but then they're like, at one point they're like, Hey, we need it. We need an alternate though, because if someone gets hurt, and I said, well, I'll do it. If someone gets hurt, I don't care about that. So in 2018, <laughs> I went to the, yeah, I went to the regional as an individual, but I was kind of like, not, I was kind of poo-pooing on team a little bit. I didn't like it. In the, so then did you, did you travel to the games with the team? Uh, no, no. Cause by the time you check in, it's like, it, it's the injury would have to be before the games. Oh, so you're not there in case someone gets hurt during the games. No, any silver medals either. Got, oh yeah. Cause they got second that, that year, it's, right? It's weird how it says that on the, uh, I know on the web, on the, the website. What does it say? Game, like how it says I was on that theme, but I was just the alternate. Because I, w- I went and looked, and your name wasn't on there, and I was like, oh. But there was, like, three Invictus teams there that year, too. Yeah, right. So, was, yeah, was... they like having those teams, believe me. Okay, so then 2019, totally different season. CrossFit announces all these changes. Regionals are gone. What were your initial thoughts? I, I was pretty bummed out. I was pretty upset. Like, I was finally feeling really healthy. I was finally, like, I, I took a lot of time off after regionals. And uh, I, was getting, I was getting after it in the gym with some guys, uh, some other guys at the time. I think – uh, who was it? Garrett Fisher. He had a, he, he had taken some time off. And he was like, Hey, I want to really gear up for the next year. And like, so we we're, we we're putting in good work. And then, yeah, like I remember it was like a, a Monday, they announced like no more regionals. And it was kind of like a rumor. And I remember like going to coach at the time after at a different gym. I was just like, totally not into it. I was like, what, what is, what am I doing? I don't want to coach anymore. If I'm not, I don't know. Like it really killed something for me, but I was like in a pretty bad mood. So were you and, kind of- well, yeah, and so at the time, I, I just didn't know what I was even training for for a little bit. So I kind of took a step back and I said, I'm going to do this cardio program. And I'm just going to, you know, and I was kind of like hesitant on what to do. And I said, like, I want to go to Dubai and compete just because, before they even announced, like, Chinchinals, um, just because the year before I went, I liked it and I had a good time. Well, Dubai, so I really didn't. Yeah, Dubai is awesome, right? Yeah, and so. Yeah, and then over the summer, they announced, like, the Open's going to be a big thing, and I was feeling healthy, and I was feeling, like, in good shape, and I was kind of like, 
I'm just going to keep training. I remember I was having a conversation with some of the gym. I said, there's going to be some guy who's going to come out of nowhere who's still working out and crush it and qualify. And my friends were like, dude, that's you. You're the only person like busting your ass in this gym every day still. I was like, oh, is it me? <laughs> and so that, that was like October. And then we did the online qualifier for Dubai. And I did better than I expected. I felt really good. I think I won one of the workouts or got like top three or something. And then we went to Dubai and like it was everything was just so unknown with the new format. You know, we I so me like I went with probably like 14 people to Dubai, like two Invictus teams, a bunch of individuals and two coaches. And we had no idea what to expect because Invictus X, the team that took second the year before, was competing there. And the new Invictus team with like Lauren Fisher, Rasmus Anderson, Tommy Venus, Reagan, Huckabee, they competed as well. And I think I was like, Invictus X is going to destroy this team. And they didn't though. Uh, the Invictus team won it there and they crushed it. They never weren't in first. So it was like so different, so new. We didn't know what to expect. And the workouts in Dubai that year, I felt were very different. They were very like separated. It was like, this is a strength event. This is a cardio event. There was very little CrossFit except this final event. So and Matt Frazier, you know, he still won. Yeah. So, because the year before, they were very CrossFit type events, but this year it was like really different, but it was super fun. Um, I was totally like, it was cool just being there with a group of people. And, uh, and it kind of like said, like, hey, maybe this is what I'm going to do. I think I got like 10th or 12th or something. And I didn't feel like I had peaked cardio wise yet for something like I really put it down for the next three months. I can be ready to get like top 20 in the open. How did you end up qualifying then for the games in 2019? Yeah, so the open rolled around, and uh, that's how I qualified. I was, I was like, I peaked for the open that year. That was the intention with me and, and like Tino, the coach at Invictus. I, I, I'm pretty. I don't have any like huge weaknesses to knock me out. And so when we did it, you know, the first week was like wall balls and rowing. And I got like 30th, and that was like my best open finish ever. And I was like, but everyone knows I'm a good rower and I'm a good squatter, so that wasn't like a shock. And then the next week was the heavy clean one where it was like 25. Uh, Toto bar 50 double unders in the cleans and i got 11th or 10th in the world so then i was like all right what's going on and i was like eighth at this point in the open and i mean that's a good workout for me all those movements are in my wheelhouse especially taking out the jerk out of the clean so it's just a clean so and then you know after that i was like i think i'm gonna do this you know i'll probably have one bad workout i thought and the next week was like the handstand push-up handstand walk one and i pour i think i did like not so hot i got like 300th and it kind of bumped me down to like 30th but then the last two workouts, I just, uh, they were wheelhouses for me. It's like muscle ups and snatches. And then the thruster pull up one, which is, I ended up getting six in the world, like the best I'd ever done. Knowing that, like, I kind of, I kind of stepped away saying like, if I don't qualify for the games this year out of the open, I'll probably be done. So that was like, in my mind, I was like my last CrossFit workout ever potentially. So I like left everything out I had on the floor for that one. I like killed myself. I'd never been so hurt after a workout after that. So I got six from it. So maybe I should always think about that. <laughs> yeah, Maybe. So then you went to the games that year, 2019, this past year. What did you think when they announced all the cuts and the new kind of format of the games? Well, yeah, knowing how that was going to be, I was a little upset, you know, just because it takes a lot of work to get there. And, like, knowing that one mistake can cut you. Yeah, after um, a workout, so, right? Yeah, so it's like it was, it was a weird feeling because you have, like, all this tension before a workout. They take you into the little room after, like, the, the seating area, and they announce everyone who – doesn't make it and they say get out so then you feel like elation for four hours then you start getting ready for the next workout and you're like all right i gotta do this again so that was very stressful but like going to bed like on the first night knowing you made it was like really good feeling um it was stressful like for me when i got cut 
I, on the sled push event, my sled flipped over. I, I flipped over all the way, um, just not knowing how that sled was going to feel, and it knocked, knocked a lot of time off my score. So uh, I, that was upsetting, but it's just how it is. And uh, I would have loved to have gone to the next workout. I think the next one was the one with all the pistols, Mary. I like that kind of stuff. So otherwise, I mean, it was a good experience. Just like the just like in Dubai, I think we had three teams, a bunch of individuals. So it was like a cool group to be around, and have a lot of fun. But uh, you know the cuts, it like in t- 2014 you could step back and enjoy it a little bit. Did not get to enjoy it at all in 2019. It's very stressful. Was it different, weird to be out there at first with like a hundred some other athletes and like at that athlete briefing, there's hundreds of athletes. Uh, yeah, so like a part of me who's competitive. You know, I'm like pretty laid back, but when I compete, I compete. And a part of me is like some of these people, they don't belong here, you know. And I, I, I joke a lot. I think I hung out a lot with Paul Castillo. He was a two times games athlete, and I was like, dude, the guy from the Bahamas, he's gonna have a bad time. Like we joke around <laughs> like that, you know, like yeah, it's going down. <laughs> so, um, you know, we had, we had fun in that aspect, but at the same time, it kind of took away like the professional feel of the games a little bit. Like, what is this guy doing here? They can't even like do a rope climb without their legs. Yeah. Like, come on. But at the same time, doing those huge heats was really cool. Like having like 50 rowers or whatever on the floor, that was awesome. Like I get the whole appeal of like, let's get the national champions involved, but there should be some sort of like bottom level you have to hit. Because otherwise, like you said, like people are going out there that can't snatch 185. And there's dudes in like my gym that could should could beat those guys and be there, you know? Like, right. like yeah. Um, yeah. They, I, you know, I was thinking like maybe it's like you have to be like top 700 in the world to actually earn your spot or something like that's not crazy hard to do, but you still have to be an athlete to do it. You know? Yeah. Cause then on, on CrossFit's end, like, yeah, they want to bring in these national champions, but you're given you're these guys are traveling around the world for one workout. Yeah, exactly. And I think next year they said they are going to cut the, everyone, the cuts will start after three, yeah. you know, and that's a little more fair, but yeah, it's, it was definitely different this year. I think, I think they'll learn from it for sure. Yeah, I mean, first year, so obviously there's going to be bumps in the road. And they got stuff to figure out. It's, it was a good place to start. I thought it was pretty cool. The no, cut, I thought it was cool. cool. Yeah, so, no, it definitely made it. It definitely made it pretty nerve wracking, but it was definitely. It just you know any experience is going to be a cool experience. And so then the competitor inside of you, you got 38th overall, I think something like that. Did that give yeah. you kind of a sense of pride, knowing like I'm in the top 40, which is what it used to be? So like I belong among this group of elite athletes. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, no, because everyone expected me to get like at least top 20 because I had like a great season training and stuff. People were not like disappointed in me. Well, yeah, people were disappointed. I'm not going to lie. Like my training partners, they still give me crap for it. You know, wow, you worked all so hard that year to get 38th. Good job. Like dude from Barbados probably beat you or something. But uh, So I was disappointed. I didn't think I thought top 20 would have been where I wanted to be. I thought that was more realistic. So then looking ahead from there, what were some of your big takeaways from the games that year? What were some weaknesses you wanted to focus on, stuff like that? Uh, man, uh, well, a big thing for me I noticed was, like, heat management. I, I know I overheat pretty easily, but, like, if it's hot and outside, I just can't wear a T-shirt. Like, that first snatch event with the rope climbs, like, my heart rate spiked immediately, and I had a T-shirt on. It was just hot. So stuff like that, you know, heat management. Um, my eating was really good this year. I have my nutrition coach, Jen Ryan from Invictus. She does a great job telling me like when to eat, what to eat in a competition. Um, I, I think another thing too, is to have more of that competitor mindset, um, probably leading up to the games a little bit. Cause we did like a, we did a training camp in Minnesota before we went to Wisconsin and we might've had like a little too much fun, I think. 
like I didn't mind like oh I, I lost the workout by two seconds to you know some of these other athletes I didn't mind maybe I should have maybe I don't know and then so you said um after the games you didn't really take time off you kind of went right into it in the open and everything yeah I mean we had two weeks like basically before we were like hey if you want to qualify through the open again take two weeks and you have four weeks to get ready for the open um I was pretty burnt out you know honestly like qualifying out of the open like I said that was difficult because it kind of like I kind of felt like I had peaked and I took a lot of time off after the open, but I was in a weird spot. I changed careers. Actually, I quit my coaching job. Like after the open, I went back to tech work. I'm working like part-time on computer software now. So like a lot was changing. And then, so I actually committed to doing a team in 2020. So not like I didn't try in the open, but there was less stress. Like I still wanted to do well, but knowing that we were going to put a team together, that, that was kind of like my, idea of like an off season or something like that was this year I'm going to go team and take it easier almost, which probably is like a lie because I'm still in the gym training like twice a day. And then were you guys able to qualify before the pandemic hit? No. So, um, similar situation to me, Lauren, Rass and Reagan, they were, they were tired after the games, you know, and, uh, we went to Argentina thinking, it would be like a walk in the park. I know I'm not going to lie. Like we didn't think any of their teams were going to show up. We thought we'd just go up, win, like nothing. And uh, it was like a vacation, you know? We got there like a week early. We're getting like ready. We're eating empanadas every night, drinking wine, having a good time in Argentina. And then we see like a text message or like an Instagram post about four Australians coming to Argentina to compete. And we're like, oh shit, like what? No, this ruins our trip. <laughs> But then, but then it turns out they were actually just coming uh, to compete there as individuals. So we're like, ah, oh, yes, we still get our free trip. And then two days before we find out like another team is together there and uh, we just mentally weren't ready. We weren't into it. Like we complained a lot about judging stupid stuff like that. You know, we had all these stupid excuses, but at the end of the day, we just, we weren't ready to compete mentally. Like, you know, uh, the, the guy replaced Tommy Venus. He's an awesome athlete. He's like impossible to fill the shoes in. He's like the best weightlifter in CrossFit probably and one of the best swimmers. And so it's hard for me to re replace him. But with Lauren, Reagan, and Rass, they have like an awesome resume. We, we should have won that competition. You know, Rasmus has won the team before. They all got third last year. We should have won, but our mindset was just not there. You know, that's how it is. That's a pretty solid group. What's it like to train with them? Well, not to, to brag, but... <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest, I, I kick Rasmus's ass every day, all day. And then we step on the competition floor and he's like another man. And he comes out and he's the eighth fittest guy in the world, you know, like yeah. he was in 2018. In training, I'm just the big, I'm the daddy, you know. But uh, <laughs> the competition time comes and I suck. So, yeah, it's like, it's interesting to see that, like, some people can just turn it on. Uh, like, I know, like, the girls, like Lauren Reagan, they're super, like, scheduled and regimented. They train every day, twice a day. They have their, you know, they don't miss anything. They don't skip anything. Whereas the guys, we might wing a little bit more and ask for a flexibility. Be like, hey, coach, like we, we're not doing this today. But the girls always do what's written. So seeing that is pretty cool too. Yeah, man, he's hustling you. Ah, <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. I beat him in every open workout, and then he goes. <laughs> he's got this. Third he's, yeah, he's got this extra gear he kicks on in competition. It sounds like. Yeah, he does. All right, so then now, like the whole season's blown up. So. What, what are your thoughts now on, like, I guess 2021 it is now? Yeah, 2021. So um, I told them this year I'd commit to a team. They needed a guy. And next year I told them if I qualify out of the Open, which I'm hoping to do again, I'm ready to turn it up. I'm not going to go team. If I don't, 
I will help them get a team to the games, but yeah. I'm still going to try to qualify individual through a sanctional. And I'd like to win a sanctional just because I think that's the right way to do it in a sense. Yeah. yeah. But I am, I'm 32 also. So I'm a little bit older and like another thing too, is I'm so happy to take time off. My knees have been aching, you know, since the open in 2019. So finally, after like six weeks of being able to take it easy, I finally feel good and healthy. So I'm feeling like I can put a big push for this next year. And then on that note, how long do you see yourself competing in CrossFit? How many more years? I'll, I'll compete as long as I can. This is uh, It's important to me. I feel like I am made to do this. I love training. I love working out hard. Um, I love trying to get myself to be better. Um, until I don't love that, I will compete for sure. Now, will you go Masters or will you join this Never Masters crew? I think, I think I'll do it in a similar way. I look at the new team this year. If I qualify individual, I won't go team. Yeah. Same thing. If, you know, if I qualify through a team or as an individual, then I won't go masters, but they do offer a lot of money for masters. I don't know if they will in the future, but I think it was like 25 grand for first for the men at 35. So, and do you see yourself continuing to live in San Diego and going to Invictus or are you going to pack it up again and uh -huh. move to a random country? That's a good question. Something I thought about, I like San Diego. I like Invictus. Uh, the rent is high here. I pay a lot of money for a one bedroom apartment. Um, I like, I, I, I I do not like to travel. I like to live somewhere different though. I do enjoy that aspect. I don't know if that's even considered traveling, but I don't know if that's in the future for me. I'd like to live somewhere more like Tennessee or Alabama where I can get like a house and have like a garage gym and stuff, but I would not be past an opportunity to coach in say Dubai or Bali or even back in Korea. And where, if CrossFit was never invented, what do you think you'd be doing right now? I, I always kind of thought like I just started out there like MMA or triathlon, <laughs> similar type sport, right? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Maybe coaching football. That that's could be another thing that I, I always felt like kind of led to do. Would you still be a software engineer, whatever whatever you were back in the day? So you know, interestingly enough, I I do that now. I do that again. I'm back doing that because it is expensive in San Diego, and I found a great fit where I can work whenever I want. I can work from home. I can work remote. I just basically convinced the guy that I can still do this after a seven year break. So will I do that? I think I will eventually do that full time. Uh, the money is good on it. That's why I went back because I was coaching for money. I realized and I, you know, I used to coach cause I loved it, but I had to coach for money. So I said, if I want money, I know how to get money. I can go back to a desk. I think that it will happen one day, but I like, I like right now where I'm only working 20 hours a week so I can do other things. I mean, you got it pretty good in San Diego. I mean, besides like money rent aside, it's a pretty nice place to live. <laughs> Oh, it's not too bad at all. Believe me. It, it, if Invictus wasn't here, I think I would have moved a while ago. Now, Invictus, who is still there? And are there more like elite athletes in the San Diego one or in Boston? Okay. Because uh, isn't it kind of like all over the place now? So after the regionals announcements, like, I, I don't know if I would all to say it, but like the competition people and um, they, they kind of just like disappeared to say the least, like a lot of people left the gym who were maybe regional hopefuls or people who want to be like on the third team, you know, or one of these teams they send. I mean, I think they used to have a class at 1033 and six that was just competitors and the three, they canceled the three o'clock and it's a different type of athlete in those classes. Now it's not people who are super competitive. It's usually just people who want to do CrossFit a little bit longer than an hour a day. Um, when I first got there, the comp class was full, like 15 people, all who were decent and could push me at the least. And then at one o'clock and nine o'clock is when like the athletes or whatever you want to call them, like, like myself would train. And there would be like 
10 to 15 games level experienced athletes every day at nine and one. So now, uh, and, and they were serious. Everyone was serious about training. Everyone was serious about making it to the games. Now, some of those guys are still around, but they're, you know, they're retired or whatever. And they, they just train for fun and they only train at one, maybe instead of nine. Um, so a lot of like people just kind of disappeared and it definitely, you know, and now less times do people just show up at Invictus for like a three month training camp. Like, you know, it used to be like Camille or Kristen Holt will come in town for a month just to train with everyone. And, you know, we'd have like this awesome group all the time. So I think right now in-house Invictus, it's a little bleak, not like in a bad way, but like an, on good days, there'll be 10 people, 10 people with games experience. Not so much, maybe like two or three now. And that's in San Diego, but uh, it's just different. It's different. It's changing. And Eric, where can people find you and learn more about you? Well, I guess I might, you know, you could say my Instagram, there's not much on there, but it's just at Eric Carmody. Um, and if you really want to find me, come, come in person and train with me. I'll, I'll work out <laughs> with anyone at CrossFit Invictus, you know? I got you. That's awesome. All right, Eric, thanks a lot for joining me today. This is fun. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. And I hope you enjoyed episode 124 of this show. Please remember, if you like this episode of the podcast, to share on social media or with family and friends, and make sure to tag up before you. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and I hope you have a great day.